Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Christina Alcivar. Before we get to Christina, a few announcements. First and foremost, our website, TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see stories that I've written, stories that some of the guests have written. You can see photos of the guests. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media. That's Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's our Facebook page. Follow us there. Subscribe on all those platforms if you will. There's links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe for free, as always. And uh, give us a good rating if you're listening on those, will you please? I don't sell any ads. Uh, I'm a bad businessman. I don't ask you for money. I do this out of the love of my heart. And I'm always uh, happy to hear from people who are listening because sometimes I feel like I'm just talking into a void. I don't know who's out there. You know, we're all grounded. There's a big virus, if you haven't heard. Have you seen the news? Wow. Uh, yeah, so um, write me. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. If you've got any questions, or maybe you think you'd be good for the show, or maybe you think somebody you know would be good for the show, I'm open to uh, all suggestions. I will say now I am doing... Zoom interviews out of necessity, as we can all imagine that uh, I am not sitting in small rooms in close proximity to strangers to interview them. It's all Zoom now. So that comes with its own challenges, certainly in terms of sound quality. If you listen to the show a lot, you hear me bitch about the sound quality of Zoom, and uh, there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can do about it. I am recording my little section here on uh, June 30th. The interview with Christina was recorded way back on June 17th, so a couple of weeks before I'm doing this intro. But my phone, her phone, we had some dropouts. I had to edit it all together, and it, it came out okay, but it's a lot of work on my end, or at least a lot more work than uh, it did if we were just in the studio and sounding good. And speaking of the internet, I have uh, internet problems this week. I have Spectrum Internet formerly Time Warner, a company so bad with customer service, they had to change their name to Spectrum and try to fool people. And I can tell you right now, the name change didn't matter. They still suck. My internet is going out repeatedly the last four days. I was watching a movie on Netflix last night, and lo and behold, about 10 minutes before the movie was over, boom, no internet. Oh, sorry, Mike. Yeah, so if this is the future... And for the foreseeable future, it seems to be this is the way it's going to be. Uh, boy, I'm going to have to uh, have a word with the Spectrum folks. But sound quality is going to suffer. It's not going to be like in the studio. Although the plus side is you can get a lot more guests that you normally wouldn't get because they're not in town or I'm not there. And that's the way it is with uh, Christina in this interview. She's in Toronto when I talked to her. We met through my friend Jeanette Seha. And Jeanette is great because she's introduced a lot of cool guests to me. And Christina is no exception. 
Christina runs a website called vaneairportmedia.com or vainmag.com, V-A-N-E as in weather vein. And they focus on a lot of wellness, airport wellness. Nobody likes being in an airport. They're often horrible places. So Christina realized that for spending a lot of time in airports, that she and a lot of people seek out wellness, whether it's a spa, a meditation room, or something that she's really passionate about, airport therapy dogs. And I had no idea how big a program, airport therapy dogs, and all sorts of animals. There's therapy cats. Uh, she talks about uh, an airport uh, pony that people can pet, and uh, they calm people. Is there any better way to kill some time in an airport than petting an awesome dog? And I had no idea how common these programs were around the world. It was good to talk to Christina as almost a distraction from the day-to-day stuff and to just talk about something we were both very familiar with, which are airports, because she and I both spent so much time in them. It was almost refreshing in a way. So hopefully this is as nice a little distraction for you as it was for me. Here's my chat with Christina Alcivar. Christina Alcivar from Vane Airport Media. Hello. Hi. How's life there in Toronto? What is the temperature there? The temperature is pretty hot and happy that winter is finally over here up north in Canada. <laughs> it's always cold. Oh. So we finally have some sun. Yes. So this is June 17th we're recording this. What is the uh, COVID lockdown situation in Toronto? Toronto, uh, we are still in a state of emergency here in Toronto. And from what I have heard that the borders are going to be closed between Canada and the United States until July the 21st. Wow. Okay. A couple days ago. So. Well, I know that uh, as someone the last few years, I performed on cruise ships in uh, Alaska, you know, so you were always based out of uh, Vancouver. So once Canada shut us out, that's it. No more Alaska cruises. But I don't blame you. I mean, it's it's spreading faster in America. You don't want dirty Americans coming there and infecting your your country, overloading overloading your wonderful healthcare system when we don't have it. I might I might move up there just for that reason. Well, I think a lot of Americans have been thinking about moving up here. We do have a better healthcare system, a universal healthcare system, and it's safer and cleaner and uh, better education. And I could go on. It's true. We're just better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People like you better. You grew up in Toronto? I grew up in Toronto. I'm Latin American born in Ecuador. And ah. my parents um, here to Canada when I was an infant. So I'm always craving the heat weather. And <laughs> every winter, I'm always surprised by how cold it is and how long the winters are. Like, oh, it's just so cold. And I'm like, why? But I think every Canadian feels this way even though we're used to the cold up here the winters come and we're like wow it's so cold but it's just part of you know being canadian we're used to the cold it's pretty cold up here yes i know yeah can you believe of all the i've been uh on last year i worked on the east coast so i did the boston and montreal cruises so i did quebec city and montreal and the maritime provinces and pei and nova scotia beautiful beautiful quebec city's awesome Yes, it just shows you the diversity of Canada. The um, province of Quebec, which has Montreal and Quebec City, are francophone. And at one point, (laughs) they wanted to emancipate from the rest of Canada. 
and there was a referendum a couple of years ago. Hence, Canada is a bilingual country, and all our uh, oh yeah, don't they vote every like twenty years or so to to secede? <laughs> yes, they try. They try to like it's, it's to yeah. Uh, Texas Texas does the same thing here. They really oh all the time. Yeah, that's a, yeah. So when you go, when you see in our packaging, our packaging is bilingual. Uh, mandatory French is uh, you must take mandatory French into up to up until high school, grade nine and grade ten. Um, I know, but all my uh, English speaking Canadian friends, they all forget their French. Yes, but the <laughs> it's true. This is but the people in Quebecois, they're actually fully bilingual over there, though. I know. They, they speak both languages, and they'll remind you. Yes, they do remind you. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I know. I was there. Uh, okay, so tell me about your company, Vane Airport Media, and what? When did you start it, and why? Um, I started Vane about four years ago. When, as uh, I was just traveling through an airport, and I literally was tra- traveling from Toronto to New York, and I had to beautify myself. You know, usually for guys get executives, they go to a shoe shine to get, to get all spiffed up for meetings. And for me, it was my hair and my nails. And I thought, I know there's spas inside of airports and I need this ASAP to get beautified for this meeting. I'm in New York for a day, but where can I find this service? Where can I find a power juice? I try to eat healthy food and I just couldn't find it. Um, so I decided to chronicle all these places that I found inside of airports during my travels, specifically health and wellness related uh, services, foods inside of airports, things that would enhance my mood like therapy dogs. I'm a pet owner and I really love dogs and they really, you know, bring happiness to me. So I found out on a trip actually in LAX, which has one of the biggest therapy dog programs, um, that you can connect with a dog. I did not know that about LAX and it's my home airport. Yeah. So in North America, uh, in North America, there are uh, actually in the United States currently in, as of 2020, there are 72 pro 72 airports that have therapy dog programs roaming in their terminals to connect with passengers, uh, during your journey. That's amazing. So what was your, uh, background that you were traveling so much? Why were you in airports so much? Well, I was just traveling for work, uh, marketing and branding. I had a small marketing and branding company and my majority of my clients were in New York. I used to live in New York City. Toronto, New York is a one hour travel route. Uh, There's three airports in New York and they're massive different airports. And I just decided to start documenting the things that I would find, um, such as the things I described. And um, with time, it's just, to, it's grown. There's a big interest to connect with these health and wellness things at airports. I've seen spas in airports. I've seen, you know, massage chairs and all that other stuff. But what is the biggest trend now other than the therapy dogs? I mean, a lot of these services are in the private lounges, I think. So are most of these open to the public now or are they still in kind of like the elite private lounges you have to buy access to? No, all of these are actually outside of lounges. Um, There are spas inside of lounges, but I would say dog is 
are one of those trends, but there's also in North America, in, which I include Canada and the United States, there are six therapy cats. <laughs> um, there are therapy cats. Uh, there is an in-house therapy pony at Cincinnati airport. They've had a pony and there's also a pig at San Francisco airport, Lulu, the pig, at San Francisco airport. So there are a growing trend of therapy animals. And I would say San Francisco has the most diverse group of animals. Their in-house pig, Lulu, uh, their therapy dogs, Wag Brigade, and soon their cat is coming out, though it's not official because of COVID. He'd ha- he's had to stay quarantined, but they officially have a cat. Yeah. So are, you getting a, are you getting a phone call there? What's happening? No, something happened. I don't know. It's my computer. Are you getting mail? No, mail, mail. Ah, see, got to turn off your mail here. There's also um, a lot of meditation rooms that have been built, and uh, yeah, those I've seen. Yeah, there's more. uh, There's a growing um, build out of these meditation rooms that are non-denominational. Airports have historically had prayer rooms um, for different religions. They've always had them since like the 50s. Um, but now they're coming up with more generic type of non-denominational rooms that are meditation rooms, quiet areas where you can go um, sleep and relax, more showers, public types of showers that people can access uh, during your travel. More napping, more napping uh, areas are coming up. Where do they keep a pony? A pony. Well, I don't know where they that pony in Cincinnati, I'm not sure, but I plan to ask them very soon. Um, but but going back, you know, if there's anything I find in airports that are underutilized is the connection with animals. Um, animals are, you know, bring joy to people and uh, they're definitely, <laughs> those are definitely a mood enhancer. What? With, you know, what's going to be happening inside of airports soon, which is going to be more stressful getting through the airport. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit, but I, what, if we're going to stay on animals though, what is your opinion on uh, the rules regarding therapy dogs on planes? Because I've talked to some flight attendants and people are really pushing the boundaries on therapy animals on this. I mean, they're bringing in not, I mean, huge dogs, not just little, a bit huge and even other animals. So, I mean, like a lot of things that, that start out with good intentions, people are people and they're abusing it. Yeah. So well, where, where do you see that going? Well, and what have you seen? Well, what, what we've seen and what happened was, is um, I, it was, I think it was last year, somebody tried to bring a peacock. Yeah. Uh, A peacock. So there is a governing organization and science behind therapy animal as um, a therapeutic type of pet. And there's science that has has backed that up. And there are organizations that verify these animals. But because of the different animals that were being brought on flights, not including dogs, like birds, a peacock, I can't remember what other animal... The FDA Somebody brought, tried to bring a little pony. Somebody, yeah, do you oh, see that? Oh, yeah, my yeah, God. A pony. So the FDA officially last year launched an, a ban on um, any exempting all animals except dogs. So right. 
bring a dog. I don't know about the dog size, but I know that the dog is the only now permitted, allowed FDA therapy animal to go on a flight due to these people bringing in their therapy <laughs> birds. The one I saw was the peacock. It was a huge peacock. <laughs> Like a person brought this huge peacock. Uh, yeah. But again, you, you, the other problem is, you know, a lot of people are getting these things uh, because not that they have these, they're going to freak out with uh, not flying with their dog. The, the problem is they just don't want to check it underneath the plane. And that's, that's the problem. I mean, I mean, it was, this was kind of made for people with like PTSD and people with real issues, you know, which is understandable. But again, it's being abused by people who just simply don't want to, oh, I'm not checking my dog underneath the, you know, and they don't want to do it. So I think eventually the numbers are going to have to, some, a line's going to have to be drawn. And yeah. I don't know, but now with, uh, well, well, spacing on planes, if there's going to be open seats, I don't know, maybe it won't matter as much. Yeah, I mean, officially, any any animal that is not a dog is not permitted as of last year because of those. Yeah, animals that were not <laughs> those questionable. Therapy. Yeah, this is my therapy, Wolverine. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so okay, now we're going to get to the COVID questions because this has got to hit you and your business really, really where it hurts. You know, I mean, a spa is great and a, and a meditation room is great uh, until you have to be around other people. So what have you seen and have you have you been flying at all since the virus went down? Oh, there's the travel ban between. I haven't traveled um, since the emergency lockdown in Toronto. I would like to. Um, the destinations I usually go to that I'd like to go to are in the U.S., which are closed until July um, 21st. So I haven't traveled. The last time I traveled was in March, right before the border was closed between Canada and the U.S. The airports were empty somewhat. I traveled to Denver for a conference. But um, I anticipate, and what I've seen um, is that a lot of airports are requiring a mandatory mask. Not all airports, but the majority of airports seem that they're going in that direction, um, that you have to wear a mask. Um, a lot of airports also, you cannot enter the airport unless you're a traveler and you have to stay outside of the airport. Um, it, there's a lot of multiple screenings that are taking place. Nothing is really uniform amongst different um, airports themselves. They're governed differently. There isn't anything uniform um, that's happening across the board other than mandatory mask wearing at that I've seen as of now. So in terms of these spas and salons and other things that you've specialized in all these years, um, I mean, are they going to, have you heard anything about them remaining open? Are they going to close these things? Are they going to have limits on how many people can go inside? Or what have you heard? There have been some spas that have opened and they have been following their own jurisdictional guidelines and kind of the standard of mask wearing, temperature checking, pexiglass, 
um, and no facials. Some of these places have facials, uh, but they have, they're pretty kind of returned to normal in the sense of providing services. I think that these spas are an important place to get some peace from the grueling security checks we're going to have moving forward. I don't think people are going to be in the mood to shop um, in retail with the financial devastation that so many of us already have gone through. And if there's anywhere that I think I'd like to go is a place where I think someone can take care of me or make me feel good. A place where you're going to be able to relax and chill, which could be at your gate near your own gate. So if you had a magic wand and you, you, all your knowledge of airports, what would you change in most airports? If you could do things, create your perfect airport, what would it look like? I think it's the pre-screening, the security, the pre-security. The pre-security is very, very stressful. And the airports don't really, uh, it's not really in their control because it's the border control, it's the TSA um, part of it that we don't know. And it's so volatile in, in the sense of sometimes when we get to the airport, um, the lines can be ridiculously long. Other times they can be, you know, you get to the airport, there's like no one there. And you're like, yes, yes. Uh, you can have a pat down that goes too far, you know, like just weird. It's just a stressful situation. You, you can get the wrong officer and it could just throw your whole journey off. Um, so I think that the pre-security is something that I would really wish was different. And I'm curious to see how COVID is going to exasperate that stressful part of our journey even more. I don't see security screening being reduced. It's only going to be enhanced. Um, what happens if you travel and you, you know, you're with a friend or your family and somebody has a temperature? What happens if you had COVID and like how are people going to be tested now through security when we already went through our first time security, which is already grueling. Now we're going to have to go through this whole COVID testing uh, before we actually get in to the airport. I've read and seen um, airlines also doing pre-testing at their own boarding. So what happens if you can get through the airport, but at the airline level before you board, they screen you and you have a temperature, let's say, and you can't get on your flight. Yeah. And you're with family. So I'm wondering what's going to happen with the whole security clearance of people traveling through the airport at pre-security and boarding. I'm sure they all have like a medical office, every airport, like a med maybe they'll expand that. That could be expanded, and they, we have reported on that before. There are airports that have um, medical offices in-house um, to do testing. But again, these tests are not going to be mandated really by um, – they're mandated by the government. And in the United States, the majority of airports are uh, extensions of cities. 
So it would be a city, the airport itself is an, an, an autonomous um, organization. It, it's a municipal city driven place where it depends on local government on how they're going to mandate and govern COVID moving forward. And, and also the testing that they're going to um, instill as part of the screening process for the passengers that go in and out of the airport. I do a whole joke on the whole thing about how like you could go to one airport and they make you take your shoes off your belt and uh, they give you an MRI and a colonoscopy. And then the next one on the same day, I could be flying through an airport and I could be wearing a suit of armor and yeah, you're good. And they just let you go through. So there's no consistency. Are you mad that <laughs> this is, you're in the travel business? I know I am sometime and you're like, this is probably the worst thing that could happen to uh, all of us, really. Well, yes. And, and I write specifically about airport wellness. That's the last place people want to be, airports. Be. I mean, the last place anybody has always wanted to be. Sure. Uh, airports and Vane is about really highlighting the things that are wellness driven inside of airports. We don't talk about everything inside of an airport, but those things that we feel will make your journey a positive one. So we don't write about duty free, yeah. uh, you know, which is, you know, to get a box of, or get a box of cigarette. Okay. Or, yeah. Give me, give me your uncensored duty free opinion. Is it duty- like, what do you save it? It's like sales tax, right? The duty. Yeah. The duty. Yeah. So it's a whole world of, yes, you say you save tax. It's a whole form of business that's been instilled to uh, not pay taxes for certain products. And, uh, you know, you have all these items. They're pretty, in my view, it seems like it's an it's a antiquated part of the airport environment, duty-free. But uh, now that many places in the U.S. will require you to have a mandatory mask, um, you will be able to find masks in many airports. It makes sense. And the pricing of these masks <laughs> is kind of like buying water inside of airport. So, you know, it's one of those things that bring your own mask or you now can encounter uh, mask vending machines, sanitizer. Uh, Las Vegas has three mask sanitizing vending machines. You'll see a lot of those. You'll see them inside of the little stores inside of airports uh, moving forward. But the price tag for these masks, since they're mandatory, will be an R pretty high. So bring your own mask, bring your own water. You can't bring water or liquids through security. And we know that the bottles of water inside of airports are very expensive. So bring your own water bottle, refill them on the other side, bring your own mask, mandatory mask. I, I think that mandatory masks will be something standard across all airports in the U.S. From what I've seen um, on the research that we've done, um, we've, we, can, we continue to see airports uh, instilling that mandatory mask every week. Two, three airports are joining. Give me uh, your expert opinion, your favorite U.S. airport and why. Um, I think my favorite U.S. airport is San Francisco Airport. That's a good uh, one. Good food choices, right? Great food choices. I actually sat on the committee with the incoming food uh, concessions that came in for the Harvey Milk uh, Terminal. So um, I was able to, you know, bring in a health and wellness perspective into the 
food options that came into that new terminal. Uh, San Francisco does have the biggest diversity of animals. Uh, as I mentioned, we have, they have dogs, they have a pig, and they have a cat. They are also the only airport, I think, in the world that has banned water bottles. They do not sell any water bottles inside of their airport. Wow. All right. That's a pretty big deal. So that is. You have to bring your own water bottle into San Francisco Airport. They also have a gorgeous terrace outdoor space. Um, you can explore. They have incredible food options. And uh, they are one of the most progressive airports in the U.S. Well, now I'm going to do the opposite end. Your least favorite U.S. airport. Mm-hmm. I have a couple. Least favorite. I have not seen the new LaGuardia, but uh, the old one, I was not a fan. Well, neither neither was I. I would, Nobody I would, liked it. It was horrible. It was horrible. But they now have Terminal B, which now uh, just reopened a couple years ago. I went and reviewed that terminal, and they've just extended it and added some incredible, beautiful pieces and parts to that terminal. So not all airports are terrible, and some of uh, the airports... I know. I know, but give me your worst. I know you don't want to go on record, but uh, come on. I, I think I'm putting say, you on the spot. I would say LaGuardia, not Terminal B. <laughs> Terminal B is its own other um, entity. I, yeah, I'm not a fan of you know, big, huge airports. Yeah, like, I'm from Chicago, so O'Hare is a is a rough one, too. Huge. Like when I fly into New York, I usually avoid JFK. I find JFK Airport massive. So I, I like like small airport. Yeah. yeah. So that, I would, that would be my least, least favorite is uh, the old LaGuardia. Yeah. And JFK is hard because it's so far out of the city and it's kind of a hassle to get to. Yeah. I was never a huge fan of, um, well, she, like I said, Chicago has its own set of problems. Miami too. Miami seems to be poorly run and overly air conditioned, freezing in there. Freezing. Yes. Right? Yes. It is. Yes, it, it is. is. Freezing. I spent and the I- coldest night of my life in the Miami airport on, a, on like a five hour layover. Freezing. Miami, Miami airport has a dedicated yoga room that they launched. Um, so th- those are, uh, that's another trend. Many airports besides their meditation rooms have dedicated free yoga rooms. San Francisco has two free yoga rooms. Oh, there you go. Free yoga rooms. Did you ever see a trend in airports that you said, uh, this isn't going to make it that you didn't like and they didn't, and they failed. What were some bad ideas that airports have tried over the years as a comedian i like in the 80s they were trying to do comedy in some of them and it was just it was brutal brutal uh live music i've seen that in some airports i you know i think live music even though i appreciate it (laughs) in certain airports it just looks wrong or it can't get appreciated enough i mean i have been in some airports where i saw someone play the trumpet and I thought, wow, that's really cool. And then another airport, it was not good. Like, well, yeah. As a performer, I look at it. All I do is walk by and go, ooh, that, that's a bad gig. That's yeah, a tough yeah. gig. Yes. So there should, yes. <laughs> yes. I would say entertainment selection in certain airports, they, it's not, it's, yeah. Oh, in terms of bad airports, I think having lived here for 22 years, LAX is not a good airport. It's really, it's too small 
for what it is. They have no room to build uh, the separate. You can't connect through the separate terminals. There's like eight different terminals and uh, the traffic getting in and out of it is really bad. I've missed flights simply because of the traffic in the airport traffic. And I'm not talking getting into the airport. I'm talking when you're in the airport proper, you're stuck and you can't get out. I know they constantly try to make changes, but it's really bad. And I'm glad I don't have to get stuck there on long layovers because I live here. But I don't envy people who do. Well, I've flown out um, precisely because of that reason out of John Wayne Airport. when I Oh, yeah. Orange County. Yeah. It's a very small airport, easy to get into Los Angeles. You don't have to go through all of that. And that ride, you can take the highway and look at the coast. So yeah. I, I, uh, I opted out from LAX. Burbank too. Burbank's easy. I haven't, I haven't been to that one. Have you yeah. been to Ontario Airport? Ontario, no. Uh, Ontario is a little far. It's way, it's more inland, but uh, I'm sure it's kind of like Burbank in the size, and the, they're just small and easy in, easy out. You know, LAX is a hassle. I live by LAX, so I have to kind of use it, and they go everywhere I want to go. But uh, yeah, if I could avoid it, I would never fly out of LAX. <laughs> you know, but I hear John Wayne is pretty good. John Wayne is great. They just launched the therapy dog program. And in the state of California, there's eight airports that have therapy dogs. The state that has the most therapy dogs in the U.S. is Florida with nine airports in the state of Florida. And after that, it's California, which I thought originally it was going to be California first. Yeah. Uh, Florida. They have nine uh, airports with dog programs. Okay. Now give me your favorite international airport. I have a few. Wait, which one? Uh, in terms of good airports, I think Singapore is a really good airport. Narita in Tokyo, I think is, is, is I mean, it's massive, but I, I think it's pretty well run. The Rome airport, I think is nice. <laughs> I just went through it last year and I think it's, it's a lot of it. There's a whole new section that's beautiful. I mean, it looks like a brand new mall kind of. And any of those ones like Dubai or something, which is like a high-end mall. It's because everything's so new there that it's not shabby yet. And those those are all pretty good, I think. I, yeah. I don't like Heathrow. Heathrow, we talk about massive, and it's always so crowded. I mean, Heathrow's a rough one. Those, uh, the airports in Asia are always on the top winners internationally, recognized. They're very innovative yeah. and impressive in, in terms of the diversity of things that they offer people to pass through. Um, from entertainment to food options to all kinds of different things that you can go and experience while you're waiting for your flight. They're really on the top of the list uh, globally for one of being the best airports in the world. I think, well, European airports in general are just better. Um, anything outside of North America. <laughs> I think North American airports, sadly, uh, the United States, American airports are some of the worst airports in the world. Uh, except San Francisco, um, which is on the most, one of the most progressive in the world with the different initiatives it takes. Um, Why do you think that is? What, what keeps us back? Is it we don't spend on our infrastructure as much or they're just we've outgrown them? I don't know. I think there's um, a direct... I, I, I don't know. I think it's the... I, I, I'm not sure. A lot of the airports in, in Europe are, are privatized. Um, there's a lot of privatization of airports in other parts of the world. In the United States, the majority um, are municipally run entities. 
Well, what about the Great White North? There, well, give me your favorite Canadian airport. Vancouver. I do like Vancouver's airport. That's yeah, nice. Vancouver. Uh, West Coast vibes are always like more chill. <laughs> so they're very, they're very progressive. They're very uh, chill over there. Uh, I would definitely say it's the most progressive airport in Canada, Vancouver, and also Montreal is pretty, pretty great. Well, Montreal, I just flew out of it last year, and I had never really gone through it, but. They seem to have that half of it looks like from the 50s, that one, one half of it, and the other is like brand new. You know, it's like they didn't redo the old part, but the new part is really cool. But the, I had to transfer it to the old part, and it was like a time warp. It was like, wow, you guys could spiff this part up a little bit. But, uh, you know, half of it looked great. But I love Montreal as a city. I thought it was really cool. I like it too. I like it there too. Okay. What's a, give me your, we're going to go to Canada travel now. Give me a place where people should go in Canada that maybe uh, is off the beaten track and we don't know about it. Like a secret spot that you love. Secret spot. There's, I, I have not explored Canada. How enough. dare you? Worst Canadian idiot. ever. The worst. I have not. We're outdoors people. And I would say, it would have to be Lake Louise. Yes, I was there last year. Banff. Gorgeous. I, I have not been there. You're kidding. No, I have not. I've only, I've, I have not, no. Um, well, let's, let's get in your wheelhouse then. How about where should we go? In, I've never been to Toronto. So tell me where to go to Toronto, in Toronto. Oh, Toronto is like awesome. Um, it is. <laughs> well, we just. The big we, city. The big city in Canada. Yeah. We are definitely a big city that feels like a small town, though. Uh, Canadians, Canadian vibe and culture is a little bit more, um, um, I would say, less capitalist driven than the United States. So people, people here are pretty. And the city of Toronto itself has, you know, we won the basketball. Yes. Uh, Very exciting. We won that basketball. We are our only team on the NBA one. That was like really huge. So there's a lot of Torontonian Canadian pride um, <laughs> happening. Until the Maple Leafs ever win again. Yes. yes. Uh, and, but there's so much to do in Toronto. Um, that's You can explore Niagara Falls, which is only an hour and a half away from the Canadian-American uh, border. You can see the falls, which is a wonder of the world. You can see the big tower. You can see the big tower in Canada. Yeah, we also have a lake. We have huge lakes up here, like the five great lakes. And there's a lot of uh, lake exploring, uh, cottage, outdoor hiking happening, and city life. So there's a diversity of things you can see in Canada. Lots of green, lots of hiking. Um, What's the hipster neighborhood now? What's the new hipster neighborhood in uh, Toronto? I would say Queen Street West. Queen Street West. <laughs> okay. Italy. There's lots of little pockets in, in Toronto to explore. I definitely recommend it as a place to come and visit. Sure. In the summer. In the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Though I, I, I do know people that uh, from other parts of the world that are tropical who want to have visited Canada during the winter because they want to experience the extreme cold with their family and friends. And they get it. And they, and they get it. And they, you're like, we can't wait to be in the snow. Uh, and we want to go freeze and we want to build a snowman. Um, 
So, but I guess, I guess if you live in the heat, you want to come up to the cold. Um, I know, but I grew up in Chicago, so I got 30 years of that under my belt. I'm good. I'm good. I don't, yeah. (laughs) I'll come in September. That's usually the best month there in New York and everything else. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, the the film festival was always in September, I think. And I'm sure that was probably scratch for this year or is it i actually don't know i haven't the, the toronto film festival is an incredible time to come to toronto and visit. yeah that's a big one that's a big one it's a huge time in the city the city is transformed to cater to a worldwide audience of film you know lovers movie stars and they really transform the city to have all these little pockets so and the weather's great um, the city is massively congested, but I highly recommend that if someone's going to come to visit Toronto, I would come in September during the Toronto Film Festival. Can you even think of the best meal you've ever had inside an airport? Yes. And okay. It's in, and it's in that cold airport of Miami, which I agree, which is, um, I agree. So things that uh, vein that I write about that we've written about are healthy food options, but being Latin, I have these like Latino cravings and, you know, you're from California. So there's a lot of tacos over there. Yes. But anything South American, uh, Miami is the gateway. So, yeah. So there's a place in Miami called, in fact, I wrote a story on top eight places inside of airports to buy Latin American food. This is not tacos, which is Mexican. Sometimes people. Of course. Yeah. And Mexican is Mexican. So. (laughs) Uh, Latino, which would I would include like Dominican food, Colombian food, Peruvian food. Well, I've been to Peru. I've been to, I just came from Colombia in January, my first trip there. Uh, I've been to Panama. I've been throughout Central America, but Ecuador is on my list because I still have to go to the uh, Galapagos and the jungle and the jungle. So, is there what Ecuadorian food? What would be the most typical Ecuadorian food as opposed to how is it and how is it different say Peruvian and Colombia? Uh, ceviche. Ah, ceviche in Peru is really good though. And ceviche in Peru and ceviche in Peru because they're coastal countries. Yes. Where there's a lot of fresh fish. Oh, and so good. It's so good. It's really good. Going back to the food question though, um, and San Francisco airport. So San Francisco has a uh, Peruvian restaurant, has a Peruvian restaurant. Oh yeah. Uh, authentic Peruvian um, food. And that's one of the things when it comes to airport food, you usually find a lot of fast food like Chinese pizza, hamburger. It's kind of boring. Um, So going back to San Francisco, you know, diversifying their food with this Peruvian local family, Peruvian uh, generation from San Francisco provide having this like Peruvian food there was, is really cool. I did like that about the San Francisco airport. I noticed it when I was there because it, was, it wasn't all the chains. It was like a lot of local mom and pop places, which I thought was really refreshing. You know, you don't need to see another Panda Express or a Sparrow <laughs> pizza, you know. And, and you still see a little bit of it. Like, you know, like you'll go to Kansas City, they'll have the local barbecue place or Cincinnati will have Skyline Chili or something. So there is always a few in Chicago had its own regional regional uh, restaurants. So I always try to hit those rather than the same, same old, same old. And that's something that 
if you have a little time to explore an airport and their websites, which are not usually helpful, but if you can, one of the trends is that specifically, is to find local, authentic foods, like the ones you described. And those are the ones that I usually like to go um, experience because it gives you a sense of connection to that city uh, and the history around it, like brands and companies that have been around for like two, three generations that have their proprietary recipes. And it's like the only place you can get this experience, um, like at an airport, uh, which they bring in, which is all about creating a sense of place at this airport. It's connecting the airport to the communities and the local types of foods that they offer people. Well, here's one thing that all airports can do that I can't believe they don't already do around the world. And that would go a long way for people, people's experience to be better. And that is free Wi-Fi, good Wi-Fi. More airports are, are offering it, but it is spotty. Do you see that as eventually going to be standard? I haven't seen that. I don't think so. We always see... A but what a difference. What a it difference that makes. Difference. It would make a huge difference. It would make an incredible difference. But, you know, we've all encountered, you know, we have free Wi-Fi and then we have to pay for it with, you know, some third party that we need to pay for. And, and it's usually spotty. And, and they always give you the third tier payment, super fast one, which I've never gotten. And I always get the spotty second level. So I don't know. I mean, yes, it's critical to have really great Wi-Fi. And some airports, again, going back to the top airports, they do usually have yes. uh, free Wi-Fi. They do. Vancouver, it's free. I know, I think. And um, San Francisco, we're back to them again. But, um, you know, as a traveler, especially internationally, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's massive. And that would save them. If you're going to invest in one thing, one thing, I think that, would, that should be it, right? And it also helps shut people up. You know, I mean, how many complaints do you want to deal with? I don't have to go see you at the desk. Wouldn't you want that? I would if I'm working behind the desk. And there's no better time for people to try to become mobile and digital with their boarding passes more than ever. Um, Not just because of COVID, but just because it makes the journey faster. I know many people print out their boarding or they're still line up, you you know, these lines that you go through. Um, But a lot of people are not tech savvy. Um, There could be a lot more mobile types of check-in, which really takes um, the time off um, with checking inside of an airport if you check online before 24 24 hours before, checking in your suitcase if you are carrying one, better to take a carrying one. It saves you a lot of time. Okay, now we're going to do a speed round here. What can you not fly without? What a water bottle, water bottle, water bottle. Okay. You must have an empty water bottle and be hydrated that, you know, it's impossible to get water in flight. You know, sometimes you ask for water and like you're good luck. And if you ask for more than a cup, they'll be like, there could be a dirty look, like forget it. So I usually have two water bottles. I fill them up before I get in flight and I avoid buying a plastic bottle and I have my own water in flight. So give me your worst flight experience. 
is one that really stands out. You're going, whether it was scary, whether it was the worst delay, whether it was the worst service. I have the worst story, but it has a good ending. Good. Okay, here we go. I went to the airport and I checked in, or I think I'm checking in, and the woman looks at my boarding pass. I, I, I wasn't checking in electronically. I actually went to the desk. There was nobody in line. I get there and she said, ma'am, your flight was yesterday. <laughs> and I said, what? She said, yes, you, you see your flight here is yesterday. I usually don't cry instantaneously. <laughs> I never have in my life actually like this, but I automatically just started to cry. And I'm just started to cry and shake. Like it was something so weird. And this woman said to me, ma'am, ma'am. And, I said, and I'm like, I have to get home. I got to, I have to get home. This is, this is like, I just started talking to myself. I was just, I felt like, I don't know, like I've gone crazy. This can't be mumbling. And this woman said, ma'am, ma'am, I'm going to put you on the flight. You do not have to pay anything, but please stop crying. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> that was my uh, story with uh, the, the, a great ending. And then, you know, I've run to my gate multiple times where it was just closing. Like the gate is just, you could see it closing and you're like, please, please let me on. And they're like, we're sorry. You know, we can't let you on. And you're just like, why? If it just closed for two seconds, I'm always wondering, like, why can't you just make the crack open so I could get through? And they're like, no, <laughs> we have to be up punctual on time. And I'm like, yes, but it's me, please. No. So I think that once they close the door, it's done. Like, you know, <laughs> I've heard other people bypassing that. I don't know what powers they had, but I know for, for me, it, it's it definitely, it's happened to me a couple of times. It's the worst feeling being the last one on the plane and everybody. And if you get on the entire plane is looking for you like, Oh, you're the one we're waiting for. We could have left already. Thanks. Yes. No, it's terrible. Um, Give me your favorite countries to visit. I'm sure Ecuador is one of them. The actual, I would say Ecuador is my favorite country to visit. Okay. Give me your, give me your bucket list then. Give me where do you, where haven't you been that you're dying to go to? I have not been, I've been to 40 countries and I am a dive master. So I have gone diving around the world extensively, but I've never been to Asia. What? Nowhere in Asia. I am embarrassed to say, but that is my next bucket list. I'm I'm amazed because I'm a diver as well. And I can't believe uh, you haven't. So you've never. Wow. Okay. So well, you, you have to go then. I'm going. You have to go. Okay. Give me your favorite dive spot that you've ever been. Sharm el-Sheikh. Oh, Sharm el-Sheikh in, uh, in Egypt. Yes. Yeah, I never dove there. I dove in Israel, which was close, but I heard yeah. the good divings down there in the Red Sea and Sharm el-Sheikh. Yes, I did. that is definitely my favorite diving. I did my dive master in Anguilla for three oh. months. I went down there. I've... I haven't gone to Australia, to the Great Barrier Reef, which I'd like to go see. It's great. You better see it quick, too. I know. Because you're getting less and less of it. Um, yeah, so that's uh, my favorite dive spot, Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt. Because of the colors or the big fish? Lots uh, of fish? It's really beautiful, very clear water, uh, visibility. Okay, good. It's on my list. It's definitely on my list. 
any food poisoning ever? No, I don't think Ooh, so. Oh, you're lucky. I did travel with somebody to Cancun once, a girlfriend for a one week trip. We landed the first meal she had food poisoning and never woke up or actually got out of the bed until us leaving <laughs> the country. It's a true story. It was terrible. Oh, so that poor girl. I've never had food poisoning, but my my friend who traveled with me, literally, we landed uh, four or five o'clock, had dinner uh, next morning, very viciously ill, never left the room until leaving to the airport back home. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. She never went to the beach. She never went anywhere. Worst food vacation. Worst, worst vacation, vacation ever. Vacation. Yes. Food, <laughs> yeah. never had food poisoning. God, it's so lucky. No, never. Oof, man. Okay. Finally, your uh, Canadian question. Poutine, yes or no? Yes. How do you take it? How do you eat it? Extra gravy, extra poutine. Okay. <laughs> Every Canadian has their own way of, of eating it. It's true. We love it. <laughs> so good. Especially on a cold winter day. And after multiple drinks, I find it's uh, yeah, very true. good. Yeah. Um, okay. And finally, what do you think all this uh, travel and uh, what you've seen of the world, how has it changed you as a person and how has it changed how you look at the world? I think I have a really big sense of appreciation for the things that I do have in my life and have realized that I don't really need a lot of things in life to be happy and consuming things that you really don't need to consume or buy because of like restrictions on buying things at stores, you kind of don't really need a lot and can manage with what you got. And it really puts in check your attitude um, perspective during a time where all you really can rely on is your own attitude and state of mind. So you really need to look inside to be happy right now because there's really no other distraction other than yourself because we're kind of isolated rather than, you know, going outside to find a distraction, whether it's shopping, drinking, dating, or doing other things that take us away from the things that we really need to do for ourselves as people. So for me, it's really put a spotlight on things uh, for becoming more self-aware about the things that I need to do to be a better person, the things that I want to improve on and the direction that I want to keep moving forward that I value. I totally agree. That's a great answer. So now you can get in your plugs and tell us where we can find you and give us the name of all your uh, websites and social media. Well, if you're looking for dogs, um, you can follow us on Airport Therapy Dogs on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We usually post two uh, dog images at airports around the world, not, not just the United States. There's six airports in the UK. There's Mumbai. There's Russia. There's three airports in Australia. The pig and the cat we also post. Um, if you're interested in connecting, we post our the schedules if we have them, when you can connect with these pets. From what we understand, they will be returning at certain airports once they are open. 
Um, you can also follow our airport spa dedicated page where we talk about spas around the world where you can get services, um, which are also opening up. And that handle is airport spas on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and healthy foods and everything else, including the dogs and the spas you can find on our main page on Vane Airport Mag on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Vane Airport Mag. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and as the main website, is it Vane Mag? VaneMag.com. VaneMag.com. Okay. We'll have links to all this on uh, TravelTalesPodcast.com. And uh, thank you so much for doing this, Christina. That was nice. I hope you had fun. I had so much fun. Oh, good. Good. Well, try to uh, be careful up there. Please be safe. I'm going to find these uh, therapy dogs. Have you seen the airport therapy dog page on Instagram? If you scroll through that, you'll see the diversity of all the different animals and dogs. We usually post, I mean, we've taken a break during COVID because a lot of the programs have been closed and shut down. Um, but there have been some virtual therapy dog um, content that airports have put out to connect with people and what the dogs are doing at home. So we've put, we've Aww. shared, yeah, it's so cute. Um, <laughs> but, but we are going to launch a story about the cats soon. We haven't officially launched the cat story of the six therapy cats in North America. Oh, that's Registered cute. Registered therapy cats are really cute. <laughs> All right. Well, Christina, thank you for doing this. A safe travels Thanks. in the future. It was nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you. Christina Alcivar, everyone. Bye-bye.